0: What's up, church planters, and all you fans of church planting? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. And you guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So, whether you're a lead church planter, or you're on a church planting team, or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. What's up, Matt?
1: Awesome, man! I want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom, God. Well, let's
0: do it, son. Let's do it. Let's get in those <laughs> trenches. Let's get it, boy. Hey, um, before we kind of jump into things, uh, I actually wanted to tell our listeners uh, real quick about another church planning podcast that we think you should check out. Yeah, it may seem a little bit weird for one church planning podcast to be recommending another church planning podcast, but we've told you guys from day one that our goal is to be a podcast by everyday church planners for the everyday. Church church planter. And uh, the reason that we do this is because we want to encourage and equip uh, church planters and we want to have fun. And so as long as we're doing those things, we'll continue to do that. And so uh, we think that this uh, podcast, the Church Planting Podcast by Clint Clifton and Josh Transky is another resource uh, that can help encourage and equip you guys, which is why we're recommending it to you. So each week, Clint Clifton and Josh Transky interview various practitioners from around the world to talk about different aspects of church planning. And these guys have tons of experience, and we think that you'll benefit greatly from their show. So let me encourage you to go and search for the Church Planting Podcast on iTunes, Google Play. They've got other podcast platforms. Uh, this coming week, they're going to be interviewing Dahadi Lewis, the uh, vice president of the North American Mission Board. Uh, so uh, they've clearly got way more pull than we do. I mean, they've got the they got the, <laughs> they got the big guys coming in, man. I so, was with
1: Dahadi yesterday, man. Oh, were you? Yeah, he's a good guy. He he's, he's he's got some really cool vision, dude. We uh, yeah. I met with him and a few other guys across Canada, and we're doing like they put together uh, like just a group of leaders across the country mm. trying to trying to get new strategy for Sin Network Canada. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, he's a great guy. Man, I really yeah. like him. You know, his dad played Canadian football up here. Yeah, he actually
0: he actually talks a little bit about that in the episode. Actually, uh, uh, I did. Does he really? Yeah, I listened a little bit to uh, I listened to the episode, so I kind of got a a sneak peek on it. So uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. So it's going to drop on Monday. So make sure you uh, check out that interview. Uh, Josh is going to be interviewing DeHadi Lewis. Uh, I think you will be glad that you did. And so, just as a heads up to our listeners, we're going to be doing some cross promoting with the Church Planning Podcast here in the coming days, and part of what we're going to Try to do on some weeks is we're gonna maybe go into a little bit more detail and depth on what the guys at the Church Planning Podcast talk about. Uh, so if you know their episodes drop on Wednesdays, and so then the following Monday, uh, many times we're going to maybe follow up and go into the nitty. Let's get into the needy greedy.
1: Let's get into the needy <laughs> we're gonna, greedy. We're gonna go
0: into the needy greedy a little bit more on some of the topics. We're not gonna do that every week because we like to have the freedom to do what we want because. I mean, hey, you know, it's our podcast. So those um, guys are
1: so great, though, man. I, Man, I've, I've known Clint for years. I love Clint. I mean, when it was hard saying goodbye to you and Jen, But man, it was really it was it was hard, but it wasn't as hard knowing you guys were going to go work with Clint because he's such a solid guy. And uh, man, they do a really good job. I recently started listening to their stuff uh, just at the gym. And man, yeah, they, they do. They do really good things. Yeah, they we're do. we to be collaborating with them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, we think the one of the reasons we're doing this is because both podcasts are so different. Uh, yeah. And when you guys listen to theirs, I think... Ours is
1: much more professional.
0: <laughs> Matt is being very sarcastic because... <laughs> One of the things that you'll find out is that you're going to be like, wow, this, these guys are like really professional compared to Matt and Jared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, somebody's, some, like, somebody's like, wow. It seems like Matt and Jared just kind of like come up with their topics 30 minutes before they do the show. And if you think that, it's because you're right. <laughs> oh, we're
1: being serious. We're just being serious. <laughs> no, it's,
0: we do put in a little more planning than that most weeks.
1: But, yeah. sometimes but there are there are some true. weeks where like t- we get text the night before. Hey, bro, what do you want to talk about? You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so man, the, but they but they do really good stuff. They are man. You know, it's so funny though because I'll listen to their stuff. I'm like, wow, these guys got like a they got like the you're listening to. You know, it's like the they have really a
0: voiceover like a, professional. They have a voiceover man. Dude, we need I, to get a
1: voiceover, bro. I want
0: to get Morgan Freeman to do our voiceover. I wonder how much that costs. I went if... it? Uh, what's
1: that what's that thing called um oh my gosh
0: oh they have a, things that you can do where they they have uh people who can imitate famous voices that you can hire um yeah i need to figure oh i need to find a, a morgan freeman imitation to do like an intro for us
1: okay so if our listeners know this shoot us a text or yes, whatever please you know. email us but but there is there is a there is isn't there is a company and like these they have like everywhere from like a le- like A level actors and athletes, all the way down to like you know people you've never heard of before that maybe played like you know minor league baseball oh, in the seventies. Yes, and you like could go pay. and you yeah. you could pay. They all have different prices, and you can pay. And they'll, and t- they'll, they'll do record an whatever you want to. They'll do an endorsement. You know, they'll say, oh, like, happy birthday. So, okay. Dude, they got Brett Favre on there. Brett Favre's, like, wishing people a happy birthday for 500 bucks a pop, you know? So, it's okay,
0: like, so we need offline, we need to talk about, like, who we think would be, like, the funniest person we could think of to do, like, an yeah, In the Trenches dude. plug. And we have def- we need, we're making, I'll invest money into this. We need to make it happen.
1: I'm looking it up, man. Okay, Because I, <laughs> I gotta know. Hey, what, <laughs> was, what was the picture for the Boston Red Sox? Uh, Kurt Schilling, right? Kurt Schilling, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Curse Shilly. Okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the name of it. Uh, well, maybe I won't.
0: I wonder, I wonder like if like how many like celebrity pastors are on there and will like, they, they like get people to pay them for doing like, now I want to see what pastors are on there. That'd be like, that would be very fascinating to know. That'd
1: be really <laughs> bad actually. <laughs> You know, guys are doing that i mean i, I, I say that be, but I, if you're making money but they, it's 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 pretty it's pretty funny man because some of the people some of the people on there are like people you've never heard of
0: oh yeah but they apparently think highly enough of themselves that they think that they should be paid to you know to be on there so
1: yeah it's some of some of them are like uh some, some of them are like um uh, Oh yeah, dude. Some of them are just like people you've never, never heard of. Reality, reality star, reality TV actors from like the. Like from the 90s or whatever, you know, the first real world of MTV and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I want that guy to wish me a happy birthday. (laughs) But anyways, I'll have to look it up. I can't find it. Yeah, What are we talking about today, bro?
0: Man, we're going to talk about when church mergers mix with church plants slash church replanting, uh, things like that. So uh, basically, I'm going to be talking about church mergers, uh, church replanting. So this past week, um... Uh, the guys at the Church Planting Podcast interviewed John Mark Clifton. So John Mark Clifton, yeah, he's over uh, the church replanting efforts for the North American Mission Board. They're doing some incredible stuff. Seen lots of dying churches revived uh, and begin to once again be thriving gospel communities that are multiplying. And so, you know, I want us to talk a little bit about replanting, but also talk a little bit about mergers because when it comes to church planting, um, you know, one of the trends that I've seen and, and something that you know we've seen happen a good bit is church plants uh, will partner with dying churches and a lot of times will merge uh, together and yeah. um, either they'll take over the property or a lot of times congregations will merge. And so we uh, at Pillar DC, we actually just went through something a little bit like this, pretty unique. I'll get into the story here in the episode. Um, but I want us to, uh, cover a few of those things, uh, and, and maybe talk about, uh, you know, some examples of how we've seen this done well, and maybe how, uh, your church plants, uh, could potentially, um, you know, get involved in helping revive a dying congregation.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's something that, um, I would love to learn more about. I mean, uh, John Mark Clifton is like the guy right now, uh, yep. doing it and, and, um, writing stuff and putting out a lot of good things. And, um, but yeah, I, you know, case of Balasingham, our second church plant up here, he really wanted to do a revitalization. He either wanted to do a church revitalization or a plant and, um, and it was you know, he ended up getting connected with us and, you know, God's sovereignty and goodness and all that stuff. He was able to plant with us. But, um, but yeah, it's not the same thing, man. Mm-hmm. There are some differences by far. Some big time differences. What are,
0: what are those differences?
1: Well, I think the biggest difference is, you know, you and I both have served in established traditional churches. And, you know, when you come in to plant a church in a place, for example, like Toronto or D.C., or those, those metro areas, you, you, you're coming in and you, you, you're not, you're learning the context of the community. You're learning how the people operate and you're, you're directly impeding that lostness. You're, everything that you're doing in church planting is geared towards reaching the harvest. By the way, if you're listening to this and you're church planting and you're not doing that, then you're probably not church planting. But anyways, what? Um, what? But anyways, um, in church revitalization, there is oftentimes a lot of baggage that you have to walk through depending on, and, and I'll just, I'm no expert on church revitalization, but I'm just talking about what I've seen and experienced. There's oftentimes a lot of relationship building that you have to work through. You have to earn some trust. You have to do some of that stuff. And, um, and, and so, those are the biggest differences. You know, you, you're having to build some relationships with the people who are already there, and you're having to kind of recast vision. You're you have you you have to you have to also shepherd them through loss potentially because what they thought was going to be their story and what they thought, you know, because man, the churches that I have seen that are dying, there whether it's I, I've seen churches as small as like twelve senior adults they just really believe if they can just get the right pastor into that church, then the good old days are going to come back mm-hmm. and they're going to start growing again. And that leader has to come in and he almost, he almost has to shepherd them through that loss and mm-hmm. to say, that's not going to happen. You know, this thing has to take on an entire new DNA and entire new vision. And mm-hmm. So those are some of the differences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's good. I think that Um, you know, there are definitely some unique challenges when it comes to a church replant. I think that, you know, for church plants, you're starting with a clean slate. Um, and so you're, you have kind of a fresh canvas to, to paint vision. Uh, and then with a church replant, yeah, like you said, um, you know, a lot of times there's, there's baggage that needs to be dealt with. Uh, you have history, uh, you've got, there's already an existing culture in that church that's got to yep. be changed. It's much more difficult, I believe, to change the current culture of a church than it is to create new culture, uh, on a fresh canvas. I mean, um, I do think I have a ton of respect for people who do church replanting and church revitalization just because in many ways, uh, Uh, It is a a lot more challenging. Um, And so it's a longer battle uh, and you've got to be in it for the long haul. Like it's not something that, you know, if you're if you're one of those, you know, guys who's, you know, you're a quick hitter and you want to come in and, you know, do something new for a couple of years and then go do something else like church replanting is probably not for you. Uh, you know, you need to be able to stick around for the long haul. Um, and there's also just like things that you don't even really think about that there's, you know, when you start talking about replants and you talk about start talking about mergers, right? So if you've got a church plant and you're thinking about like, Hey, there's a congregation that's, you know, that's got a building uh, in my neighborhood and they're kind of, you know, dying and you know, wonder what the chances are of us, you know, maybe merging with them or whatever. There's a lot of legal hurdles, um, you know, yeah. especially when properties involved that you've got to think through, um, that you might not necessarily have, uh, if you're just a church plant, um, there's going to be people in, uh, in a church replant or an emerge situation that are going to be, you know, holdouts, uh, you know, yeah. is what I would call it. People who, uh, are very resistant to the change and they're going to want to try to, you know, keep things the way that they were. Um, and then, Uh, You know, it's just like I said earlier, a longer process as well with replanting. Um, You know, it takes it takes longer to kind of turn that ship. Uh, you know, church, church planting is kind of like a speedboat, you know, you can turn yeah. that thing on a dime and there's not a lot of a baggage with it. And then yeah. church revitalization is more like a cruise liner, um, where, you know, you've got, uh, you know, a large, uh, amount of, of history and, and things like that. And it just takes longer to turn it, uh, in the right direction.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it, you have to be in you have to be in it for the long haul. uh, This, excuse me, this past week I was talking to a leader who was a part of a large church and um, they hired a new pastor and instantly this new pastor within six weeks changed like everything in their church. I mean like everything. I mean he changed the worship, he changed, this was a pretty traditional large church. They had like the big, uh, like oak wooden pulpit you know he took that down put up a little you know like uh, table and directly went from like uh, you know just standing sitting behind the pulpit to st- standing up and just kind of doing like the teaching thing on you know like the little tv screen and stuff and they've lost like hundreds and hundreds of people and um, it was a really fascinating conversation because um, this guy was talking about how you know, he came in and made these changes so quickly. It was almost like, where, where was the care? You know, Mm. there was no explaining, there was no articulation of this is why we're doing this because we think it can reach more people. It was just like, we're going to do this and this, and, and that's what it looked like. And so, yeah, you know, you, you said, uh, you can't give people vision whiplash, you know, you, you've got to, You've got to, in church revitalization, you've got to be in it for the long haul and you've got to slowly and you've got to methodically cast that vision, but you also got to make sure people are with you, you know, and to your point, some people are never going to be with you. And ultimately in church revitalizations, those people are going to go away. They're going to go to do something different. But at the same time, you also have to be like, I would think that to do church revitalization, you would have to have some pretty good shepherding gifts. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you
1: went in there as like just a hardcore apostolic type, you know, I think you could probably do a lot of damage. Of course, I don't know, but...
0: I mean, you need to have a team around you, but I think we would say you need to have a team around you when you're planting a church too, not just doing a a revitalization effort. But yeah, I Yeah. I mean... or if you're an apostolic guy you probably need to be an apostolic guy who's got experience and who has the wisdom to listen to the shepherds on your team and yeah. who has who loves people you know who yeah. will care I, so i don't i wouldn't say it's impossible for a an apostolic guy to do it but it needs to be an apostolic guy with wisdom and experience under his belt probably yeah. uh you know like like Part of a, team. like i i i mean i'll just be quite frank and honest, like, I don't think I, uh, would probably best be served stepping into a situation like that on my own right now without a team around me. You know, like, I think that, I mean, God has been, um, God's been really gracious to me, you know, and he, you know, we found ourselves in a situation where we, we basically just, you know, shepherded, emerge, uh, essentially, yeah. you know, where we had, uh, so, you know, the circumstances under which I came to DC was we had the campus of a, uh, large church in the area, McLean Bible church, uh, merging with a church plant that had essentially didn't make it. Um, yeah. it was a church plant that had been started, but, um, they decided not to dissolve and they decided to try to relaunch, uh, and, and replant itself. And yeah. so in the midst of that journey, they decided, hey, why don't we combine these two congregations? Uh, and they, and I was brought in to help lead that effort as the planter. And so, yeah. um, so it was weird and unique in that it, we treated it like it was a church plant, a brand new church plant. And yet it was also merging two congregations. You had two congregations that had two different cultures. One was a church, one was not a church. So there was a campus and then there was a church. Um, you already had an existing elder in place at the you know from the church plant so there were and i mean and i and the cultures were different like they really were the cultures of the two congregation were not the same uh the maturity levels were not the same uh the sizes were not the same Uh, the traditions the way that they operated on sunday mornings were not the same so you've got i mean this is, you know, when you're talking about a merger, you're talking about a potential very highly flammable situation um, because human beings are sinful. Even though we're Christians and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we still have a sinful nature. And so when that sinful nature rises up, you know, the devil loves to use that stuff to try to stir up and cause division. And so, like, When when I decided when we prayed about it we decided okay yes we're gonna come do this, the first thing that God put on my heart was Philippians chapter two, verses one to eleven. And I had been in the process, and I this is God's grace because I was in the process of preaching through Philippians at our church there in Canada, and um, I actually was had uh, I was in the process of of memorizing. Uh, uh, you know, a large portion of Philippians and Philippians two, God yeah, just really put that on my heart where uh, Paul talks about how we should do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, kind of others more significant than ourselves. Uh, and then he says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And, yeah. and then he goes on to describe Jesus's example about how he didn't consider equality with God, a thing to be grass, emptied himself, by taking the form of a servant. And I just thought, you know, God, that's, we need that, you know, like yeah. we, we need that attitude. Uh, we need this posture desperately, or this thing isn't going to make it. Uh, yeah. there's no way it'll work. And, and I'm convinced that that's the only way mergers will work. Humility yeah. has to be at the forefront. Like you've got to die to your own desires. absolutely. And I told them that I said, guys, uh, if, if you, If you come in here saying like, well, uh, you know, I I want you know, we didn't, we, we've always done things this way and we didn't do things that way. And I don't like doing them this way. Then this thing's going to fall apart. But if you're willing to say like, um, you know, you know what, I'm going to die to my own preferences and my own desires for the greater impact of seeing the gospel reach Southwest DC, then we can see an incredible move and work of God. And man, praise God. Like we've seen our people do that. Like I'm so encouraged and excited. At how like watching just the humility that our people have had, and you know what's happened? Well, God is work. God is at work, and we've seen a healthy church, you know, started um, because you know our you know people have you know died to themselves and have humbled themselves. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah.
1: amazing what can happen anywhere in life in general, and in particular, what we're talking about today in church revitalization, if people yeah. would humble themselves, you know, under the authority and uh, the power of the Holy spirit and be prompted and led and, and say, you know, it's that the the old saying, it's incredible. Like what can take place, you know, when you don't care who gets the credit. Mm -hmm. Um, But in in our world as pastors, we know who gets the credit. God gets the credit. The Holy spirit, you know, leads us to bring glory to the father and to the son. And so I think like in, in church revitalization, I mean, I think back, I think back about the ministries that I led, before God called us to church planting, you know, um, especially before I was was born again. But I think about like how, how much pride I really had and how many mistakes I made based off of my own sinful, prideful ambitions, wanting to be right, wanting to be correct, not being able to, you know, put brothers and sisters before my own desires and and just so much immaturity in that regard. Um, whereas when you allow the spirit to lead and to guide and to say, you know what, I don't always have to be right. There are some things here that we can talk about and we can we can come to an agreement on. Um, so many good things happen out of that. And I would just think back to our topic, I would just think in revitalization, you'd have to have so much humility mm-hmm. to say And understanding to say, yes, this is the vision that God's given to us as leadership. Um, but let's walk very slowly and and gingerly with these people as they, as they discover that vision as well.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking as we were, we were talking. I honestly think that there's probably like far, uh, a lot more opportunities to see some, you know, really successful and fruitful gospel work happen when it comes to like church revitalizations and mergers, specifically church plants working with struggling congregations. That yeah. I think that there's a lot of that opportunity out there that I think we don't end up availing ourselves of. And I think it's because pride gets in the way. Cause I think yeah. when you've got two leaders, um, you know, one leader doesn't want to, um, you know, like budge and the other leader doesn't want to budge. And so, you know, like we want our churches to, to thrive and we want, you know, to reach the kingdom, but not if it means, you know, I've got to lay down this part of my agenda or not, if it means I have to, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to, defer in this specific area and I'm not saying you should compromise your convictions or your theological convictions or something to just do a merger but I'm saying like you know uh, you know things like you know maybe you know I don't know Uh, maybe there's, you know, like a, a functional difference or, you know, a philosophical difference that you have and, you know, joining with an existing congregation might mean that, you know, okay, like you're not going to get to, you know, maybe move as hard in the specific direction as you wanted to go. Like, but are you willing to let go of that? You know, like, like say they've got, you know, say there's an existing congregation and it's like, you know, man, they really want to continue to have Sunday school and Sunday mornings. You know, are you willing to like, you know, potentially, you know, like roll with that for a little while? while and it might not be like that forever, but you know, if God's leading, are you willing to say, you know what, like maybe God is in this, even though, you know, my vision of having, you know, missional communities on every night of the week, you know, would, you know, be interrupted. And I think that's the only way we're gonna see the Shekinah glory of God come upon our city. You know, yeah. like what if God's doing something else that, you know, right. like maybe you're not aware of. So
1: well, you know, I was talking to a guy this past week and um he and he was talking about how they have trouble with like, since they've launched, they've had a lot of trouble with like small groups and um, like getting their their small groups, um, you know, uh, on a regular basis and all together on a regular basis, all that kind of stuff. And he said, so, you know, we did, we started doing them on Sunday mornings before church. And I was like, yeah, they, I think they call that Sunday school, <laughs> you know, and um, he was like, yeah, it's like Sunday school, man. But he said, it's working. People are coming, you know, and I'm like, amen, man, who cares? You know, as long as you're as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes as leaders, we have a tendency to kind of dig our heels in the ground and say, no, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it instead of being uh, being free to let the Holy Spirit dictate those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So why, why should... Why should you consider doing a merge? So maybe there's people out there listening to Jared and they're like, you know, I'm, there's this church and we're not a very big church and they're not a very big church, but they have a property or whatever it might be. I mean, that's not a good reason to do a church planning merge, you know, no. I mean, as much as you say, like, I don't want to do set up. Um, as a matter of fact, I think it was John Mark Clifton who just wrote a really good article about buildings and, and mergers and all that kind of stuff. So go Google that. But why mm-hmm. should you consider doing a church merge?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of different, you know, good reasons you could do it. And like you said, you know, if your only reason is because you want to acquire a property or something, then that's not a, a good reason. Uh, nor should it be, you know, uh, you know, because you want to, you know, just have a bigger church or something like that, or have more influence. Um, however, uh, I do think that you know some of the positive things that can come from a merger is that obviously, you know, if uh, you have a healthy church. And uh, yourself, and you, especially if you've got a healthy church plant that's making disciples, that's vibrant, that's impacting the community, and yeah. you do have a struggling congregation with assets like property that could yeah. be used, that are not currently being used uh, for the advancement of the kingdom, that could be used for the advancement of the kingdom, then I think that's a great thing. Uh, I, think, yeah. I think that's a worthy thing, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And it's not something to be ashamed of. I think it's something to be celebrated and pursued. Um, you know, I also think that, you know, obviously, you know, doing a merger can help uh, build momentum uh, a lot of times for a church, uh, and it can, man, it can, like, the best thing that can come out of it, though, is that you can have the opportunity to like uh, revive, uh, literally like a dying congregation, like to breathe life into a dying congregation to be able to redeem something that was lost. Uh, I mean, the reality is, is that right now uh, in North America, uh, Southern Baptists are closing more churches than we're starting every year. So what better way to combat that than to not only plant a new church, but to also, uh, you know, get a two for one special and save a dying church in the Process right. Uh, yeah. I mean, talk about a huge win, and talk about a way to swing the momentum in the other direction. As far as uh, you know, just advancing the kingdom of God goes uh, in uh, the U.S. Right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, right now, you know, they they're saying that um, that on average, so many churches are closing. I mean, for example, with our tribe, you know, North American Mission Board Southern Baptist um, up here, Canadian National Baptist. We're, we're just trying to keep pace with planting enough churches to, to keep pace with the, the churches that are closing across mm-hmm. North America. So church revitalization has to be a big part of what we're talking about. Um, you know, those, those gotta be new metrics that we use. Mm -hmm.
0: And, and let's not forget too, that the people who are in these dying churches are brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. They they may be old people. They may be, you know, gray hairs, seventies, eighties, but they're brothers and sisters in Christ. They're sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. They matter. God cares about them just as much as He cares about us. They need shepherding. They need discipleship. They need encouragement. Uh, they were never meant to, you know, walk in isolation. Um, you know, yeah. uh, John Piper has said, "Eternal security is a community project." I love that phrase. That like you know, God has yeah. designed the church to be the means by which the saints persevere. And so, like, yeah. man, it's a important, uh, that we serve and that we love and that we care for these brothers and sisters of Christ who, you know, many of whom have seen also like, like, let's not look at them with pride and arrogance. Like we know more, man, those people have seen a lot more life in ministry than, you know, we have, they've seen, you know, five times as much in many cases. That's right. So the yeah. people that we, you know, these older folks that we often overlook in these, uh, smaller churches could actually be an incredible blessing and asset to your church plant.
1: Well, and I think, I think so many times, you know, like I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here, but I I think so many times, especially what I've seen is, is young. Like I'm, I'm forever grateful that one of the first churches I ever pastored was like, uh, there's a lot of elderly people in that church. It was a rural church. You know, it taught me how to minister to the senior adults and the senior saints and like really sit at their feet and listen. And. Were there some that were really difficult? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. But there are also some who were really sweet and mm-hmm. who loved my family and who really prayed for us and really cared for us. And I think if we're not careful, then as young leaders, we just put everybody in one boat and we say, you know, like, yeah, they don't want change. You know, my, 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 uh, my wife's grandmother is 90 years old. She, she'll be 90 very soon and she, you know, we were talking to her one day. I don't even know how it came up, but worship came up and she said, it's not my she's like, it's not my favorite kind of worship. But she said, who cares? I'm 90 years old. I'm going to be dying soon. <laughs> she said, I, I I, want I want to do worship that's going to draw the next generation mm-hmm. that's going to connect with their hearts. And I'm thinking, man, what a kingdom mentality, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and so I think we got to be careful when we're talking about church realization, you know, not all these people. Now churches have to be—they have to be willing. Um, they have to be willing to say, like, we need help. Like, we can't keep going on like this. You yeah. know, they have to be willing. Uh, and some would even say, you know, they, the churches have to be willing to die mm-hmm. to start afresh. But you know, uh, we're just so bad at doing that. We kind of put everybody in a lump. You know, lump everybody together, and we say nobody wants change. But that's not necessarily the case. Nope. And so I think there is a lot of opportunity for church revitalization with young leaders if we would approach it with the right heart and with the right mentality.
0: Yep, I do too. Well, man, that's good stuff. Hopefully this was an encouragement to use our listeners, maybe think about this topic of church revitalization, maybe just make this a matter of prayer. I would encourage you to like, first of all, you know, last night we had a prayer meeting um, uh, as a, as a church. And one of the things that we had uh, on our, uh, lists to pray for were the other churches in our neighborhood and in our community, and I just encourage you to pray for the existing churches, many of which have been there for decades, uh, or even over a century uh, in your area. Uh, pray that they would thrive. Pray that they, if 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 need be, that they'd be revived. Um, you know, and uh, you know, pray that hey, if they're propagating a false gospel or something like that, then pray that God yeah. would close them and give their building to somebody who'll preach the true gospel, you know, like, but... Uh, let's pray for you know the body of Christ and let's pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ and if you know God presents an opportunity for your church plant to potentially come alongside and serve a uh, a church plant or I mean a, an existing church that's struggling don't look at it as a as an opportunity to be you know predatory almost because oh hey look I can get this building from these people because he's you know this church is failing look at it as an opportunity to serve uh, these right. people uh, who uh, who need somebody to show them and need yeah. and need discipleship. So Absolutely, uh, make man. that a matter of hey, prayer. Yeah.
1: Cameo C A M E O. That's the name of the website where you can get celebrities to do stuff.
0: That's the most important thing that we have <laughs> talked about in this episode. So
1: well, I just I just wanted to say it before we got up here.
0: I felt like I just gave like this really powerful <laughs> impressions. Like, you did, brother. Ex- it was so good. And then, it was
1: so good. You know what?
0: That's like that's like having a powerful worship service and doing announcements at the end of your church service. Oh, like that just, was so just completely was, kill the mood.
1: <laughs> You're we're like, gonna uh, have our
0: we're gonna have our truck or treat. By the way, friends, on uh, <laughs> next week, so come on out and dress up as you know. Uh, Vegetable characters. characters and oh,
1: that was so good, brother! Thank you so much for that word. Brooke? Hey, now just just want to remind everybody about <laughs> our social event coming up. <laughs> don't don't forget about uh, our potluck supper coming up.
0: Yeah. So, anyways,
1: <laughs> we really are we really are having a potluck supper this Sunday.
0: That's that's fantastic. Potlucks are good, man.
1: I love potlucks. One of the best things yeah.
0: about the Southern Baptist Convention, the potlucks. Amen. Looks. Amen. All right. Hey, we want to thank you guys the listeners for tuning in to another episode of In the Trenches. Uh, as always, we'll be back. Well, not as always, but most of the time we're back next Monday with another episode. We're we, pretty regular. We're pretty regular. Next Monday, we will have another episode because we're literally about to record it right now. So, literally, uh, bro. Uh, so make sure you head on over to www.getinthetrenches.com. You can find links to all of our other episodes, our content over there. Also, don't forget, check out Church Planning Podcast. Uh, this coming week with Clint Clifton and Josh Taransky, And hey, we're going to be back next Monday with another episode of In the Trenches. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners.